Meet Bob. Bob's been coming to church for a while now. Amidst the busyness of work and life, he wants to grow closer to the Lord, but he feels like something's missing. He reads his Bible, well, sometimes. He's attending a home group and even listening to podcasts of old sermons. But try as he might, he just feels like something's missing. Then Bob heard a teaching on giving financially. He felt a little convicted, knowing that he and his family were not regularly tithing 10%. But he wondered, does God really command me to give the first 10% to the church? Does the church really even need the money? What's in it for me? Why should I give? Bob decided to dig a little deeper and look into it for himself. So he opened his Bible and really didn't know where to look. So he Googled Bible passages about money. He was very surprised to find a large number of verses about tithing, and not just in the Old Testament. Jesus himself taught about tithing to the local church. Now Bob was really feeling convicted. He was beginning to see why the tithe was so important. It wasn't about the church needing money or trying to scam him in some way. It was a question of the heart. Bob repented of his disobedience and he started to return the first 10% of his income to God. He was surprised to see breakthroughs in many areas of his life. His relationship with his children, his marriage, and even his finances began to improve. Bob thought back to one of the verses that he'd read about the time. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out my blessing upon you. my word that use my name. Amen. Now, some of you guys are probably thinking, man, they're talking a lot about money right now. Offerings, tithes, money. But why? So why is money so important? And we're going to start off in Matthew chapter 6, verse 21. And we've been on the blessed series. Pastor Neil talked on part one and I'm part two, the test. And if you're in a life group, it's called what test? But today it's titled the test. So Matthew chapter 6, verse 21. I'm reading out the New Living Translation today. So, And it says this, Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. For us, it's easy sometimes to give our time into the church, right? Or sometimes it's easy to read our Bibles. But when it comes to money, it's a little bit harder sometimes. Like, Crystal was talking about in the video that occasionally they might tie or whatever. But for some reason, when it comes to money, it is extremely hard for us sometimes to give. Now, for some of you, it might be easy to give that 10%, but after that, you're like, ah, the rest is mine now. Thank you, God, which the Bible says. But it's hard. And the reason why is because where your treasure is, the desires of your heart will also be. When when you first start off dating, has anybody ever dated? Everyone, right? We've all dated. When I first started dating my wife, Josie, I spent all my time and all my money and my resources in to hang out with her. We'd spend hours on the phone. We would uh, drive over there as often as I could, go see Josie, 
And I just spent a lot of time. So when I would go to work for eight hours a day, I was working at Magna, eight to 10 hours a day, and I get out of work, I wanted to make sure, I wouldn't just buy anything. If I was going to the store to buy food, I'd probably buy it for myself and for Josie, right? Because my heart was with Josie. Whatever our treasures is, if you look at your income and where you spend stuff, you'll notice you only buy things that you like, right? Does anybody buy a pizza with anchovies on it if you don't like anchovies? No way, right? You only buy things that you like because your heart's in it. So today, I'm going to kind of, this is a little bit different. This actually was kind of hard as I was studying. For, I don't know why. There's stu stuff in the message today that I found is going to be challenging to some, even was challenging to me in some areas. But as I studied it out, I'm like, oh, man, I don't want to talk about this God right now. But God, So I spent two hours trying to study something else, and God just two hours later back to it. So there's going to be stuff, trust me, in here that's going to challenge you guys today. But Malachi chapter 3, verses 6 through 12 and we're going to pretty much just stay there. I'm going to read it all, <clears throat> then go back through it. So Malachi chapter 3, 6 through 12. It says, I am the Lord, and I do not change. That is why your descendants of Jacob are not already destroyed. Ever since the days of your ancestors, you have grown and you have, let's see here, messed up or ignored my degree, or decrees, and failed to obey them. Now return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord of heaven's army. But you ask, how can we return when we have never gone away? Should people cheat God? You have cheated me, but you ask, what do you mean? When do we ever cheat you? You have been cheating me in the tithes and offerings due to me. You are under a curse, for your whole nation has been cheating me. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse, so there will be enough food in my temple. If you do, says the Lord of heaven's army, I'll open the windows of heaven for you, and I'll pour out my blessings so great you won't have enough room to take it in. Try it. Put me to the test. Your crops will be abundant, for I will guard them from insects and diseases. Your grapes will not fail or fall from the vine before they are ripe, says the Lord of heaven's army. Then all nations will call you blessed, for your land will be such a delight, says the Lord of heaven's army. Real fast, I want to tell you guys a couple of stories. Uh, this last week seems like it's been a struggle because uh, we're down to one car right now, and we're on our way home, just, you know, in our truck. Josie uh, told me just the night before she just got done bragging how our Ford, we have a Ford F-150, is reliable. Nothing's wrong with it, no problems with it. And on our way home, all of a sudden it decides to randomly Everything dimmed down, came back on, and then shut off on me. Yeah, that's what everybody keeps saying, alternator. So I'm like, oh, man. And you guys know me. I'm not, I don't work on cars at all. So instantly, you know, I call, I call Dylan up. I'm like, Dylan, I need you to tow me. And Dylan comes, tows me. He, you know, ends up working on it the next day. And he's, he said it because of some things that he was seeing that either a new alternator or I needed a new battery. And he, we have the same truck, so a new battery, he said, I think it was around $160 for our truck. And then for our new used alternator, it would have been 80 bucks. I'm like, oh, man, that is a lot of money right now. And so I went to work the next day, and then Dylan, you know, texted me, I fixed your truck. And he's like, the good news is it didn't cost you anything. It was just the ground and stuff touching. Um, this morning, 
we, uh, we had to pick a few people up this morning out in Frankfurt and stuff, so we had to get up a little bit early. And I like to come here a little bit early and pray when I know I'm teaching. And uh, wake up, Josie wakes up at 6. I'm like, okay, Josie gets up 6. That means I'm getting up around 6.30. And wake up, and all of a sudden, Josie comes downstairs and says the water's not working. I instantly jumped up. Think I don't even know what I was thinking because I can't even fix the water. <laughs> I have no clue. I was thinking... Pipes were frozen or something. Get the wood boiler going again. So, you know, I'm like, Josie, call your dad. I have no clue what I'm doing. <laughs> Josie calls Pastor Neil, and Pastor Neil comes on out this morning, and within a few minutes, we got the water going. Now, I say this for two reasons. First reason is I want you guys to feel bad for me a little bit. <laughs> so if you guys think I smell like a wood stove or if you're like, your hair is not quite on point today, you know why. <laughs> And the second reason is for, uh, like Crystal was saying, is that me and Josie, we are tithers, and we live, we live in the blessing. So when God rebukes the devourer, so like Crystal was saying, with her checks, it would normally take a couple of months, right? It, was, it happened real fast. Usually, because me and Josie, like Crystal, and most of you guys weren't tithers at one point, or we were, we grew up, taught, was taught that we needed to tithe. We are tithed on the occasion. And we, so we know what it's like to live under the curse. So, and, you know, for years now, I mean, Josie's been tithers. God's, you know, rebuking the devourer in our life. And we know, because occasionally, it's been a while, it's been a while, but it does happen, because I'm human, me and Josie's human, we forget to tithe. Right? We paid all our bills, which... You'll learn next week from Pastor Brenda. Wrong thing to do. Paid all your bills, and then we're like, oh, no, no money left to tithe. Right? Anybody? No, you don't have to raise your hands, but you, you know you guys have been there. Right? So we, and we instantly realized in our lives that all of a sudden we stepped under the curse again, and things just aren't the same. It's not because that God's like, you're on a curse now because you didn't give me your money. It's because we were so blessed, we were so used to God rebuking the devourer that when we decided not to put our finances under the blessing, we realized all the bad stuff that starts happening outside of the blessing. So with that being said, I have four points today. And the first point is, God does not change. People say tithing is not New Testament. They say, uh, they uh Whatever. You, I, I've talked with people that say, you know, I don't have to tithe. It's, I can, and tithing is 10%, if you, do, if you look it up in the Greek. I've had people say, you know, New Testament says, just give whatever that God puts on your heart and stuff. And they neglect the fact that God has stated that you need to tithe, which is 10%, that God does not change. Now, what's cool, I'm learning here, that here at Cornerstone Assembly of God, we have some of the smartest people here. So it might not be necessary some of you guys out there. It might be someone who's going to be listening to the podcast. Who knows? But I've, one day I see, you guys know the, when Paul went to the Bereans and he was preaching to the Bereans and the, Paul went to a different church and he said, be like the Bereans because I, when I preached, they went and studied. I see one day that uh, people say, go to Cornerstone Assembly of God because they actually study and believe what the Bible says. So the first thing is God does not change. And we're going to go back through Malachi. Malachi chapter 3, verse 6. It says, I am the Lord, and I do not change. It's kind of funny how people skip over that. 
you know, they go right down to the last part. It's funny, too, how God put that I do not change right in the biggest tithing section in the Bible. He says, I do not change. Second uh, Timothy 3.16, verse 17 says, All scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. So both Old Testament and New Testament is used for our teaching and training. What's cool is when that was written, there was no New Testament yet. I mean, the New Testament was literally being written. So when he was talking about all scripture is inspired by God, he wasn't talking about revelations. He was actually talking about the books of the law, the books of the prophets, the, the poetry and stuff in the Old Testament. So all scripture is useful. Now, another thing I want you guys to notice, too, in Malachi 3, starting at verses 6, is you'll notice that it's God talking to us. It's not some preacher. It's not Pastor Brenner or Pastor Neil didn't write it down. Hey, you got to preach about tithing. No, they say it because God says it, that I do not change. And so when we go through this, keep that in mind. God, God does not change. Both Old and New Testament is for our benefit in learning in growing. So, with that being said, some of you guys are, or like, it might not be you guys, it might be someone on the podcast, but tithing is under the law. It's under the Old Testament. When Jesus died on the cross and he said it is finished, I don't have to tithe anymore. I, I've heard it, and some of you guys might have heard it, but for all you guys uh, who don't believe, Matthew 23, 23, and Pastor Neil used this scripture last week, and I like how the New Living Translation says it. And this is a New Testament verse out of the words of Jesus that says we must tithe. Matthew 23:23 says, What sorrow awaits you, teachers of religious law, and you Pharisees, hypocrites? For you are careful to tithe even the tiniest income from your herb gardens, but you ignore the more important aspects of the law, justice, mercy, and faith. Now here's the key, next part. You should tithe. Jesus says, you should tithe, but do not neglect the more important things. He's saying, you've been neglecting, what was it? Justice, mercy, and faith. You are, tith- you are tithers, which is good. Don't stop doing that, but don't neglect these other things. So Jesus himself is saying, it's good to tithe, tithe. Now, I know this might be a new, I don't know, you, you might have heard this before, you might have not, but for me, I personally that Jesus is the new covenant. Like, it wasn't when he died on the cross. It's once Jesus was born, also the new covenant started. And the reason why I believe this is because, if you guys go to, you guys only have to go there, but if you write it down, John chapter 8, verses 1 through 11, the Pharisees bring to Jesus a woman who committed adultery, right? And Jesus, you know, says, you're forgiven, right? If, if the new covenant wasn't established, Jesus wouldn't have been like, hey, you're forgiven, and go sin no more. He would have been like, you're forgiven after you go down the street by two turtle doves, 
maybe pick up a lamb because that was a little bit bad what you did. No, he said, you are forgiven and go sin no more. So Jesus is the establishment of the new covenant, not when he died on the cross. And it's hard to, like, one of the things I was struggling with, it's hard to not, and this is one area that I wanted to skip. It, and it's hard not to talk about the Old Testament, like, laws that everyone says we're not under anymore once we're talking about tithe. And I'll show you what I wanted to skip as I go through it. If you guys want to go to Matthew chapter 5, verses 17 through 18. Now, what I'm trying to do is establish that God does not change. He did not change when the New Testament happened. And he, he's the same God that was in the Old Testament that is now in the New Testament. God does not change. So Matthew chapter 5, verses 17 through 18. And this one, I've had people use as their key point in saying that the Old Testament, the rules and stuff are all done away. We don't have to obey them anymore because we're under a new covenant. And it says, don't misunderstand why I have come. This is Jesus talking. I do not come to abolish the law of Moses or the writings of the prophet. No, I come to accomplish their purpose. I tell you the truth, until heaven and earth disappears, not even the smallest detail of God's law will disappear until the purpose is achieved. Now, that word accomplish in some translation it says fulfill, that I've come not to abolish the law but to fulfill the law. Uh, play role, that's how you say it in the Greek, play role kind of rolls off the tongue, right? It means to fully preach, to complete, um, to finish. And so a lot of people take that and say, Jesus completed the law. He fulfilled the law. But that doesn't line up with what Timothy was saying earlier, that all scripture is for our teaching and training, right? So what, what people try to say is, we don't have to obey, like tithing, for instance. We don't have to tithe. Or if, don't even worry about the Ten Commandments. Don't worry about any, any of the 613 rules that are back there in the Old Testament. It's done. Jesus came. He fulfilled it, completed it. But what I believe, according to the Scripture, when he says accomplish, he meant, because if you keep reading in uh, 5, 6, and 7, he's almost and which is part of the definition of completing, leveling up the law. He's bringing it to its complete, if you will, if you guys watch any anime cartoons, which you guys don't, but the youth will relate. There's always a new form that some characters take. They take on their true or perfect form. The law is taking on us. Jesus brought, when he came, he's, take, he's making the law its perfect form. Because if you keep reading, like murder, he says murder is also hate. Um, adultery is even when you think about another woman lustfully. So he's bringing it to its complete form. He's leveling up the law. Tithing is a principle of God. And principle, if you Google it, like that guy Bob did, can't find it, Google it. I do a lot of, my, I do a lot of Googling. I can't find something, Google. Instantly there, 100 different people has their opinion on it too. But Principle means the basic foundation, foundational truths of a belief. So, if God, or real fast, builders, when, when you're building a house, you build a foundation, right? You, you pour cement, then you can 
build the house. In math, if you learn, you got to learn adding, subtracting, right, dividing before you can move on to geometry, which, by the way, geometry is, I mean, I was a pretty good, I took, a, you know, A, B, geometry, D. Barely made it past geometry. And the only reason why I was able to somewhat make it past geometry is because I had the basics down, plusing, minusing, dividing. I was able to do the basics to thankfully be able to get through the rest. So tithing is a principle where the basic foundation of our beliefs. Um, now, hold on to that thought real fast. I'm jumping all over my notes, I know, but um, hold on to that thought. But when God says he does not change, I or if you guys, anybody going through this series, is it Robert, what's his name? Rob, Robert Morris? Robert Morris. Anybody go through that, read the book or life groups yet? Um, when he said God does not change, how I think I instantly start pop, I go through real quick all that I know in my head through the Bible. Okay, where has God actually changed? Because that's just how I think. If someone says something, I'm always, and if you knew me when I was younger, I was, if someone said something, I was always quick to challenge real fast. Why do we do that? Or why this? Why that? So I instantly thought, well, Abraham changed God, right? Moses changed God's mind, right? So, but now when I was going through this too, I, we also know as Christians, as believers, that the Bible cannot contradict itself. Not once by it will contradict itself. Out of 66 books, it will not do that. So there has to be a reason why God, God himself says, I do not change. But here, back in the beginning of the law, he, Mo, Abraham and Moses changed their minds. And so I went back to verse 6 because I figured there was a key in there, and there was. It's, in verse 6 again, it says, I am the Lord, and I do not change. This is why your descendants of Jacob are not already de destroyed. Because the God in the Old Testament is the same God in the New Testament. We know God in the New Testament that shows so much grace, but we don't realize that God has always wanted to show grace. God, throughout the whole Bible, is always wanting to give, as Pastor Neil says. He's always given something, right? And the one thing he's always given us is mercy, grace, right? So back in the Old Testament, one of the reasons why God didn't wipe out the Israelites when God says, you know, you have robbed me in this area, you're under a curse, is because he does not change, because he showed them grace. So God does not change. Old Testament and New Testament is consistent all the way through in what he says. So tithing. So God does not change point one. Point two is we have left God's ordinary decrees. In verse 7 it says, Ever since the day of our ancestors, we have scorned my decrees. I don't know why I have a hard time saying that word. And failed to obey them. Now return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord of heaven's armies. But you ask, how can we return when we have never gone away? The word decrees there also means the basics. So what, what God is saying is you have left the basics. You have, I do not change what I said in the Old Testament. It's still the same in the New Testament. But you are leaving my basics right now. You're leaving my basic decrees. So you can read that. Ever since the days of your ancestors, you have left my basic decrees and failed to obey them. Now return to me. God is calling us back to the 
Tithing 101. Um, me and Josie, whenever I, I lose stuff all the time. I'm like a huge creature of habit. Like I have three stations that I put my wall and my keys and stuff on. If it's not on one of those three stations, I instantly think Josie must have moved it. Anybody? Or is it just me? Josie had to move it. So there was this one incident. I came to the church, I think it was last week, or maybe the week before, and uh, my phone was almost dead, so we have a charger in our car. I pulled it out, and that charger never leaves the truck. Doesn't ever leave the truck. I took it out, because I didn't have a charger on me. I was at 1% or 2%, plugged it in the back to charge my phone. And then it was charged, unplugged it, I left, leaving that there. So the next day, when my phone was almost dead again, me and Josie's in the truck, and I went to go charge I'm like, it's not there. So instantly, I thought, okay, Josie, where did you, I didn't move it. I did not move it. It's always there. And then Josie's like, you were the last one to have the truck. Not, it wasn't me. I did not move it. What's, what's funny is we all have those, right? We all have natural responses when we're faced with the truth. Notice what God says to the Israelites, or when God has stated that, hey, you know, you have left my basic decrees. He says, or they say, but you ask, how can we turn, return when we have never gone away? So what the people are saying is, how can we, how can we come back to you, God, if we have never left you? The people are saying, we've never left you, God. So God is trying to get us to admit that we were wrong, admit that the, those people were wrong. And verse 8, it says, should people cheat God? Remember, this is God talking to you. Should people cheat God, yet you have cheated me? But you ask, what do you mean? So the people once again say, what do you mean? I remember uh, when I was in camp, uh, I somehow talked, I never got, in, I didn't get in a lot of trouble. My dad would probably say the same thing. I didn't get in a lot of trouble, but I was able to get a lot of other people to get in a lot of trouble. <laughs> it just, you know, if I was in the instigator. And so I was at camp, and I got one of the, we were in line for food. I don't remember what I got him to do, but he, I got this kid to do it. And the kid does this thing, Then the, what are those people called, the instructors or, um, the counselor comes up and goes to the kid and says, oh, why are you, what are you doing? This is not allowed. And instantly the kid's like, he told me to. <laughs> and instantly once I was faced with the truth that, you know, I instigated this, I, I said, I play dumb. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> and this is what the people in Israel are doing right here. They said, what do you mean? God has faced them with the truth, and all of a sudden they say, what do we mean? When, when did we ever cheat you? Have you cheated me? You have cheated me of the tithes and offerings due to me. All of a sudden, it's like that deer that runs across the road. All of a sudden, the light's on them, and all of a sudden, they freeze and they look, right? That's what's happening to Israel right now. God has just shined the light on them saying, you have cheated me. You have broken my basic laws, my basic decrees, and they're just blinded. They're like, whoa, I can't do anything. Point number three is the curse. Malachi 3.9, next thing that God says, you are under a curse for your whole nation has been cheating me. We are under a curse because we have broken God's basic decrees in 
finances, and money. We as Christians, now this could, you, some of you guys might be like, uh-uh, when I say this, or when someone's listening on the podcast, they might be like, ah, heresy. But it's not. We as Christians can be under a curse. And get ready, because I'm about to slam you with a whole bunch of scripture. And a real quick key, when I say like a scripture verse, I learned this. This is for you guys, a little help in taking notes. If I say Deuteronomy chapter 11, verse 26 through 28, write down the numbers, because you'll always remember the book it's at. Write down the numbers first, then you can put the book in next. So Deuteronomy chapter 11, verse 26 through 28 says, See, I'm setting before you today a blessing and a curse. The blessing if you obey the commands of the Lord your God that I'm giving you today. The curse if you disobey the commands of the Lord your God and turn from the way that I command you today. Follow other gods which you have not known. 1 Samuel 15, 22 through 23, it says, But Samuel replied, does the Lord delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as much as in obeying the voice of the Lord? To obey is better than sacrifice, and to heed is better than the fat of the rams. For rebellion is like the sin of uh, divination, um, witchcraft in some translation, and arrogance like the evil of idolatry. Because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he has rejected you as king. Isaiah chapter 1 verse 19 says, If you are willing and obedient, you will eat the best from the land. New Testament now, John chapter 14, 15 through 21, or verse 15 and verse 21. If you love me, you will obey what I command. Whoever has my commands and obeys them, he is the one who loves me. He who loves me will be loved by the Father, and I too will love him and show him myself, show myself to him. Luke 6, 43. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? James, the last one, James 1, 22 says, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourself. Do what it says. So the commands of the Old Testament and the New Testament are God's commands, not just the New Testament. It wasn't just after Jesus died on the cross that it was finished, and okay, now we only have to listen to the New Testament. It's everything. From the beginning, from Genesis 1-1-0 to Revelation 21. Thanks. I knew you had it, Pastor Neil. Now, so if we love God, we're going to obey what he says. It's like when uh, Josie tells me to do something, sometimes around the house she'll be like, oh, can you fold the laundry? We hate folding the laundry. It's both of us hate it. So it's like first one to say it does. It's like it sucks. Right now we have a mound pile in our bedroom of clean clothes. But, you know, she'll say, hey, can you fold the laundry? Sometimes I do it, and sometimes I don't. But the reason that I sometimes do it is because I love her, right? We do things for the people we love, right? So if we love God, we will obey his commands. Some people will say that's heresy, too, believe it or not, out there, that, oh, my love isn't proven by what I do. First John chapter 5, 2 through 5, it says, we know we love God's children if we love God and obey his commands. Loving God means keeping his commandments. And his commandments are not burdensome. For every child of God defeats this evil world, and we achieve the victory through the faith. And who can win this battle against the world? Only those who believe that Jesus is the Son of God. 
Faith in Christ brings a love for obedience to his commands. To not obey what God said is to show a lack of respect and honor and love towards our God. So when you say, you know what, I don't want to tithe because I don't believe in it, you're showing a lack of respect and honor and love to the person who created you. Now, some of you guys, like I said, if I was was sitting in your spot, this is what I'd be thinking right now. I'd be thinking, so what you're saying is I have to obey all 613 rules in the Old Testament. Or I have to obey all the Old Testament rules. This is what I'm going to tell you. Yes. There's a lot of rules. But let, listen, hear me out. There's some rules, though, that was fulfilled. Like, for instance, sacrifices. We don't have to give sacrifices because Jesus gave the sacrifice, right? Now, you're, now once again, if I was in your spot, I'd be thinking... The one, what I'll be thinking if I was in your spot is now you're picking and choosing what you want to obey. No, I'm not. I'm just obeying what God has said. Robert Morris says, um, if God never said stop, then don't. So if there was rules in the Old Testament, like tithing, and he never said stop, why are we stopping? Now, with sacrifices, he has said stop because Jesus Christ was the final sacrifice, so we can stop those. But if God has never said stop, then why are we stopping in our tithes? And because we're not tithing, we're in a curse. So the best way to define a curse is, I believe, is not obeying God's commands, or if you're in the series, Robert Morris puts it, curses the consequence for behaviors. Example of this is Jesus, and I don't know if I put it down. I think it's chapter 8, John chapter 8, where Jesus is walking, and all of a sudden he sees a fig tree. It's not producing fruit, it's not doing anything, and he curses it, right? He cursed it, because, I mean, it wasn't meeting the need that he needed. Jesus cursed the fig tree because it did not produce fruit. Later on, if you, Jesus commands us to produce fruit or else we end up getting severed, right? So that fig tree was not producing fruit, he cursed it. Now, you might still be saying, sitting there, that Jesus took the curse to the cross. You know what else he took to the cross? Our sins. First Peter 2.24 says, He personally carried our sins in his body on the cross so that we can be dead to sin and live for what is right. By his wounds you are healed. So let me ask a question. Have you ever sinned? We all have sinned still, right? But wait, it was taken to the cross. First, and some of you guys will be like, believe it or not, I've had people say, I don't sin. Or, no, I do not sin. Even if I do, I don't. <laughs> First John chapter 1, 7 through 10 says, But if we live, living in the light as God is in the light, then we have fellowship with each other only, or 
with others, and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanse us from all sins. If we claim, notice it said we are cleansed from all sins, but notice what it says next. It says, if we claim we have no sin, we are only fooling ourselves and not living in the truth. But if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from the wickedness. If we claim we have not sinned, we are calling God a liar and showing that his word has no place in our hearts. So as Christians, we still sin. What that verse prior to that was talking about, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 24, and this one is saying we're still going to sin. But once we go to God and repent of our sins, we are washed by the blood. It's kind of like that old song, what can, what, how does it, what can wash away my sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus Christ, right? This, the, Jesus washes away our sins once we go to him. Now, once again, you might be saying, that's sacrilegious. You're saying, how about the deaf people? They can't. You guys know what I'm talking about. We, it, in Proverbs, it talks about bring everything to God, trust in, oh, man, I wish, let's see here, let's go there. I'm going to have to bust out my phone. My Bible, Proverbs. Here, it's going to take a second. Proverbs, I believe it's, what's that one? Um, three, verse five. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he shall direct your path. Notice that that said, in all your ways, acknowledge him. Then he will direct your path. He's not, it's going to be hard for him to direct your path if you don't bring it to him so that, that you guys can both, it's kind of like shining that light on the, when you're driving, the deer also jumps in. You know, We need to bring our problems to Jesus so then he can help us through it and direct our paths. If we continue to walk in sin and don't repent, there are consequences. Then we live under the curse. There are consequences when we are not obeying God's commands, and that puts us under the curse. It's not like God's cursing us. The earth is cursed. You can read it throughout the scripture. The earth is cursed, and God has allowed us to step into the blessing, but we also have a will, and we can also step out of the blessing. And once we step out of the blessing, that is called the curse. We are now living in the curse in our tithes. So God does not change. Now, you're going to notice each of my points slowly kind of change throughout it just to help drive a thought process at the end. God does not change. Point number two was we have left God's basic or ordinary degrees in tithing. And point number three is we are now under a curse. The last point. Point number four, tithing is a test. Malachi 3.10. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse so there will be enough food in my temple. If you do, says the Lord of heavens and army, I'll open the windows of heaven for you. I'll pour out a blessing so great you won't have enough room to take it in. Try it. Put me to the test. Now, real fast before we get to the test is storehouse, is the church. Benson's commentary says this. Into the storehouse, this was one or more large rooms built on purpose for this use, that there may be food, that there may be provision for the daily sacrifices and for the maintenance of the ministers, the priests and the Levites who attend upon the service of the temple. You can see that in 2 
Chronicles 31, verse 11, and Nehemiah 13, 12 through 13, that we are to bring the tithes into the church so that the needs of the church are met. You mean the ministers in the church are met. Pastor Neil has said this over and over. And I've always kind of, I won't lie, this one thing that I kind of questioned you on, but I'm on the same page. This is because, not necessarily that I disagreed with him, it's just I, I like to see it in Scripture. And, okay, this is the thing, is when everyone is bringing their tithes and offerings into church, there is no need for special giving or fundraisers for events. Think about that. When everyone is giving in the church, their complete 10% that God requires us, even above tithes and offerings, there is no need to raise money for when we send missions out. There is no need for money. Um, we don't want to have to do anything special, which we haven't yet, I don't think, for the new building coming in, being built up. And here's the scripture verse to back that up. First, and this is what I was looking for before I'm like, okay, now I'm, I'm on the bandwagon. First Corinthians chapter 16, verses 1 through 2. This is Paul writing. He says, Now regarding your questions about money being collected for God's people in Jerusalem, you should follow the same procedures I gave the churches in Galatia. On the first day of each week, you should each put aside a portion of the money you have earned. Don't wait until I get there and then try to collect it all at once. What, that's, what Paul is trying to say is put aside, so if I was to bring it to now, probably it would be like Paul standing up here and saying, hey guys, every Sunday, take out what you earned, a portion, a tithe, 10%, so that when I come back or when whoever comes back to collect it for this special project, you won't have to try quickly fundraising for it. Think about that. Paul is saying, another New Testament uh, backing of tithing is, Paul is saying, you do not have, you, we don't need to do a bake sale. We do not need to do car washes because you guys are going to take your, we're going to go back to God's basic decrees in tithing, tithing one and one, 101, and we're going to set aside 10% of the income so when, that, when I come back or whoever comes back, that special need will be met because every one of you guys are tithing. So tithing is a test. Every time you get your checks, you're taking a test. Every time. And the test determines who do you thank and worship. Who, so every time you get your check... Friday comes, rather be once a week. Anybody gets it once a week? I get mine every other week. Some people three times a week, some people whole month. As Pastor uh, Robert Morris says, some none. <laughs> right? Unfortunate for you. But for those who do get a check, you take a test once you get that check. And it's determining, that test determines who are you going to think and worship. And this is why. Luke Back to the beginning of the message, Luke chapter 12, verse 34, it says, Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. It's kind of back to that first little example I gave you with the pizza. You're not going to buy a pizza, well, Dave might buy pizza, because you're weird, Dave, with anchovies on it and olives. Oh, I will not waste my money on that. And, it's, and one of the reasons why we only buy things that we love, because subconsciously this is what's going on, is because... Every dollar that we have is 
equivalent to time we put into getting it. For instance, like, um, let's say all you guys make $10 an hour. Some of you guys are like, dang, that's a pay cut. Some of you guys are like, yes, $10. Now, on average, a normal pizza, if you were to go like shop, say, on their specials, 10 bucks, right, to get a pizza. So what that, it took you, if you make $10 an hour, it took you one hour to get that pizza. So you're not going to buy something that took you an hour to earn, right, that you don't like. You're not going to buy something you don't like if it took you an hour, unless you're weird, I don't know, unless you like anchovies and owls. <laughs> or video games. A normal video game, if you guys don't know, costs about 60 bucks. A lot of money, I know. That is, if you're making $10 an hour, six hours, almost a whole day's of work to earn a video game. Food, the average American in the U.S. spends about $151 a week on food. That's 15 hours, 15 and a half hours that you spend on the food that you put into you. And like once again, you're not going to buy the food that you don't like, right? So tithing is testing our hearts and who we trust and think and worship. Because we're not just going to invest or we're not just going to put our money in anything. Uh, but tithing isn't just testing us, it's also testing God. Think about that. This is the one area in all of scripture that I'm aware of that God says, test me. So this is, so what God's saying is, you know what, Aaron, bring your 10% in and hand me the test. That's what he's saying. He's saying, hand me the test. We determine we, when he gets the test. We determine that by our tithe and offerings. If we want, if we want to see God's blessing in our lives and test him, because what it does is testing his faithfulness, it's testing his character and his integrity. That's what I tell, I actually tell this to people. The best way to disprove God is testing him in the tithes and offerings. So try that one on your, uh, what is that, atheist friends. You know what? Test God in this area. The beauty of it, though, is God is the one who made the test also. So it means he's always going to pass that test with flying colors. But are you willing to trust him in the test? So God is testing us every time we get our paychecks. If we're going to give him the first fruits of that, which Pastor Brenner will be talking about next week. So I'm going to close. God does not change. We have left God's basic instructions on tithing. We as Christians can be cursed. Tithing is a test. And I'm going to read this one statement and then I'm going to play a final video. In order to live a blessed life, you need to obey the commands of the Lord in tithing to break off the curse so that God can open up the floodgates and pour out blessings on us so we can live a life of generous giving. Imagine this bucket of water is your financial situation. Each one of us will face different choices concerning our finances throughout our lives. Some of us may be struggling to keep our heads above water as we face debt at every turn. Others may be right on the line with no margin for error. And still others may have even managed to put some money into savings. Oftentimes we allow these financial situations to order our giving for us. We give when we have plenty and hold back when times are tough. The book of Proverbs gives us a powerful truth when we view our giving based upon our bank statements. Proverbs 11.24 says that if we withhold what we should give, we will only suffer more want. 
Our first inclination when we hear this is to say that it cannot be true. That if we hang on to all our money, we will have that much more money to pay our bills. But the Bible doesn't concede this point. In fact, it tells us that only when we give freely, not hoarding our money, will we grow richer. By giving, we will end up with plenty, and if we try and keep it all, we end up not having what we need. What a paradox, and what a powerful motivation to give at the same time. Do you trust this promise? Do you believe that God rewards those who give in any circumstance? This is the one area where God tells us to test Him, and it's the one area very few of us actually do. We test His mercy as we run off like the prodigal son, only to find that He welcomes us back with open arms when we repent. And we are willing to test His patience with our habitual sins, again to find that He is slow to anger. So why not test His generosity? and see if he does not fulfill our every need just as he promises. Just in the stillness right now before we move any farther in the service. Let's just quiet our hearts before God. God, we heard your word today.